Prepare for the Ice Age! Protect the Dodo way of life! Survival separates the Dodos from the beasts! Protect the Dodo way of life! Prepare for the Ice Age! Ice Age? I've heard of these crackpots. Josh Karam. And Aaron Thompson. I have given my soul to this podcast now. Well, Josh, is it just me or is there a little bit of a chill in the air today? It is a little cold. It's a cold episode of the Dungeons and Gatherers podcast. It is. One might say it's cold in my house, or in German I might say, Kaltheim. Hmm? <gasps> I love how you just did that. I was also going to say, I don't know if it's just cold in my house because I'm downstairs and it's very cold, or that we're talking about Kaltheim. <laughs> right, or that Kaltheim just blew in on a cold front. All right, that's enough with the cold stuff for me. It's going to come back up, but just be prepared for more cold jokes mm-hmm. throughout this entire right. thing. But call time when we're recording has come out today. We are recording this on a Thursday. We jumped on Magic the Gathering Arena. We played around for a couple of hours, and we, we got some thoughts. And no, sadly, neither of us pulled Tybalt Cosmic Imposter, which I'm a little sad about. But it will happen, I think, at some point. At some point, I hope to. I really do. But I'm not above crafting it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh, that's true. Crafting it is always an option in Arena. However, I'm getting a booster box for this, so I'm hoping that I just rip that physical card out of that sleeve. So let's do it. It's time. We're going back into the frigid landscape. Let us talk about our experience and what happened. So we jumped into a traditional draft, which was fun. Uh, We did try Mm -hmm. one round against uh, actual players, and they slayed us. Or slayed me more than you. I won one game. Yes, I got destroyed by a Boros aggro deck, which was mm. blew my mind. But what both of us played is, is I played with a green-white combination. Mm-hmm. And I played blue-green, and no one was surprised. No one, I was not surprised at all. I was feeling bad because it was like saying, I want to play different colors than Aaron. But I got a couple of green cards in the draft where I was like, I got to make a draft deck around at least green. And one thing we could talk about that's exciting about green is this elf tribal combination that's happening with green. So many new elf cards and just so much opportunity just to buff up elves and just have them go ham. Mm-hmm, definitely. And it's also, from a historical standpoint, because the elves in this are green and black for the most part, like it harkens back to Lorwyn, which I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that set before. I have not, no. Yeah, it was one of the first... It's like back when I started to play Magic back in the, the day. Gathering. Yes, back in my day, Lorwyn is a plane that it shifts between good and evil like night and day, right? So it's like you have creatures that like at one part, you know, when it's daytime in Lorwyn, they're like perfectly well-adjusted normal things. And then when, when like night, but it's like more like Game of Thrones day and night. So it's more like summer and winter. But the elves in that are notoriously not good and black and green aligned so it's a cool to sort of like harken back to like oh what's up with these elves they're not you know the white green elves that we're used to you know like from like from ravnica for example that is pretty cool i like that and i'm really excited to experiment with more possibilities with building up elves that's that's what i was going for in this uh 
draft deck, of course. I was trying to get as many elf cards as I can and toss them with each other and make something happen. Didn't work out the best, but uh, hopefully with more elves to come. Right. There's something in green that I'm really excited about. And if I could just talk about this first, and then I promise I won't poison everyone's mind by talking about it more. Foul. Absolutely foul. The poison mechanic with Finn the Fangbearer. Now, I drew this card, and I said, Teehee. I didn't say Teehee, actually, but let's you pretend. Did. You did. You actively just... said Teehee. It was weird. <laughs> Aaron was on the call, and he's like, what's happened to Josh? He's lost it, finally. And I just started putting in my head, like, all the ways that I can possibly use this card in a Death Touch Poison deck. And at first I was like, ah, oh, but it's one green card. Like, where's the black element to it, right? Because most uh, Death Touch creatures are black. Let's be fair. So then I saw this other card, a Saga card, the return of Sagas in Call Time, which is really exciting, which was Binding of the Old Gods, which the final part of it is that creatures you control gain Death Touch until the end of the turn. So imagine having a huge token deck with Finn the Fang Bearer on there, all the creatures you have have death touch. You just need five of them to hit you. Like, that could be a single turn win right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, br- that's a really easy sweep right out of the gate. So, I don't, I don't want to call anything too early. I think since this is the first day impression, I don't want to say it, but green-black with the elf tribal and this death touch mechanic with poison seems like a really strong duo color we have with call time. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about Snowlands, obviously. Oh, 100%. Um, well, we've had Snowlands before, right? But they finally come back around. Yes. And there's there's so many interesting... I So I ended up playing sort of a snow kind of deck. I didn't end up having a lot of Snowlands just from the way that the draft went. But mm. I had just enough to make it count. I think I had about four. And I was lucky to pull um, the Ascendant Spirit in my first... It was the first card in my first pack that I opened which is a snow creature, right, that has a bunch of different abilities. It basically levels up as you spend more snow mana on it, which is so cool that you get to drop it on turn one, and then it just, like, gets stronger and stronger until its final is, um, it's like a flying angel with at least six strength and toughness that whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you get to draw a card. And to be able to potentially do that on turn four is really, really amazing. I know a lot of people say like it's all about that fifth land drop in magic but if you already have a insanely powerful creature and a card draw mechanic by your fourth land that's amazing Mm -hmm. right that's it's strong yeah yeah i we had one match um whenever i got that off on you josh and it was sort of it felt a little bit cheap. It felt like a cheap victory to me. I don't, hey, you know, it's 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 the luck of the draw. The game is about drawing cards, so whatever your main hand is, is At whatever advantage At the end of the day, it's about drawing cards. That's all the game is. Yeah, fair. I think that it's just so interesting to have these cards that are, you know, like, snow-specific, because then it, it um, helps to diversify sort of, like, what land can do. You know, we break out of the whatever colors things are and we add another option that sort of goes between these color boundaries i was happy to see that the snowlands it's not like you could just have four uh forest uh snow covered mm. forests in your deck you can expand upon that and have like right. all your land be snow yeah they still count as basic lands so that means too that all of the cool like land fetching cards like your cultivates your fastwood surge they're all going to grab snowlands too 
What was cool for me going through the draft was that I didn't always have all the snowlands that I needed, and so it made it an interesting mechanic to try and like figure out how was I going to get more of my snowlands, how, you know, what was I going to yeah. use them for specifically? But um I find like on arena when you can just have your whole deck be snowlands, it makes it a little bit different. I it's sort of like it makes it's not as interesting to me. I agree. It's not like you're looking for the one card that you need to be able to cast something. Like your entire mm -hmm. land field then becomes, oh, this is all snow right. land that I can now tap into. Mm -hmm. It's like you have yeah. a bunch of cast a bunch of uh, Castle Green Briggs on the field. Like whatever that essential mechanic you need in a land is always going to be mm -hmm. there. It's always there, right? So if we could talk about snow, I want to talk about a blue creature and particular or a couple of blue creatures that are coming the idea of the giant wizards mm -hmm. now i know that all of them aren't snow related but i really love the idea that we have giant wizards and magic i don't know it, it's just like wow <laughs> definitely this is something that started too in zendikar um in the return to zendikar right uh mm -hmm. with like i think about turn timber aesthetic is what i'm talking about yeah so i like the idea that like giants are more than just like what you see, what we used to see in like red decks, right? Where they're just like big behemoths. Like they also like are humanoids that have societies and like are capable of magic. Yeah. Especially because this is such a Norse derived set. They're all through Norse mythology, right? With like giants, just they like oppose humans because they're on like the same playing field. They're not monstrous. The thing that I like about giant wizards is that you can see because that they pair those two things together, we can get more giant decks with a bunch of the wizard stuff that happened in Zendikar, mm -hmm. and right. possibly this plays into party mechanic stuff that might come out in Forgotten Realms. Oh, very true. I've never seen a giant rogue, but it doesn't mean it's not possible. Uh, they might. What if it's? Uh, they got to be like floating, probably, right? Because it's. I want to see a giant rogue sneaking around, though. There's just something I imagine, like in giant society, right? There are people yeah. that can be rogues because they're all the same size. We'll see. Let's uh, let's throw it out to Wizards of the Coast. Hopefully, there's a giant rogue in the Forgotten Realms set that you are releasing. Mm -hmm. Big and sneaky. That's what we want. Big, Big and sneaky. And sneaky. <laughs> Speaking about other creature types that I'm excited to see and bouncing back to um, the elf tribal mechanic, I'm really intrigued by um, the concept of shapeshifter tribal. Yes. Especially because I was fortunate enough to pull Orvar the all form during this mm. draft, a legendary shapeshifter that just like makes more copies of things. It's very cool. There's another deck I have planned that's just all shapeshifters. It was a scary card, a very spooky card. You know, the thing that I'm wondering with the shapeshifter cards is that, do you think that we might be seeing some crazy five-color changeling shapeshifter decks to try to get certain things? I think five-color is a stretch. Just because, I don't know, with the whole world tree, mm -hmm. like, I want to assume that we're going to be getting a lot of five-color deck strategy coming out with that card because, well, before it gets banned... First off, I'm just, we're just, Aaron and I have been Let's calling start that. It's there. probably not going to last for terribly long. But that card is just playing into the five color format. Definitely. I, you know, I, the five color format is always a little bit gimmicky to me. Also, I'm just looking through, you know, all of the cards on Magic the Gathering Arena. It turns out there are, there's but one, there's but one um, red shapeshifter. And it's actually from Ixalan. It's the Protean Raider. It's a shapeshifter pirate. 
So the majority of shapeshifters are all green and blue. So we're not looking too much at a five-color tribal really. shapeshifter Unfortunately, tag. no. Sorry, Josh. It's all right. Hate to break it to you. It's fine because I already got my tribal pick out. It's a, it's a different fair. color, though. It's not green or blue. It's white because I want to talk about oh. the angel cards. In of course. Of course you do. Always. Mechanically, I'm going to say that I'm really excited, too, because there is a white-black legendary creature angel that also mm -hmm. is coming out with the plane. So that's exciting because I love it when it's not just white and you think Aurelia with Boros with angels. Like, angels are bigger than just Boros. Let's get, get to the program. Come on. <laughs> Let's <laughs> get there. Not everything is just the Sarah angel. And, however, I will say I feel as though even with all these new angels, high-powered, uh, very life gainy angels so i think the decks are still going to revolve around the mechanic of life gain get him to a high thing you put your angel of vitality in there you get your righteous valkyrie that's new to call time just increase your life total by so much and basically have everything be such strong flyers that nothing's going to be able to stop you which has sort of always been the game with angel decks i think because they play so heavily into lifelink so many of them have vigilance you know, and of course they all fly. Yeah. So it's like you have to be able to contend with every single creature having flying, which sometimes isn't a problem, but I find it um, it actually is whenever it's the entire deck. <laughs> no, that's a good point. And I will say it's also opening the cleric cards too, especially with Righteous Valkyrie being mm -hmm. that whether an angel or a cleric enters the battlefield, you gain life based on their toughness. So, similar to Giant Wizards, we're going to see a lot of Cleric-Angel matchups with Call Time. Definitely. This reminds me of um, when I just started um, drafting. It was for Amonkhet, and so I wanted to really understand the process before I went for my first draft. And mm. I googled a bunch of things about, like, how do you do a draft the right way? And it was an article that basically said... In every set, there will be some mechanics and some matchups and some deck types that are always there, that you can always count on and always look for. Like, blue-black control will always be a thing. Like, mm. in every set, you can you can find cards that will do this deck mechanic. There will always be white angels in every set, and they will always have something to do with life gain. They'll always, you know, work off of that, especially in conversation with cleric cards, you know? The white life gain will always exist. True. Yeah. You're never not going to get white life gain. That's fair. Yeah. Versus like, you know, for me, blue green, right? It yeah. sort of takes on a different shape in about every set. That's a good point. Because like the Simic blue green is incredibly different than what Kaldheim's blue green looks like, you know, or like what Zendikar's blue green was. That is a good point. Yeah. I, blue green again i think i've said it before right it's the best color in commander just based on the ramp and control that it offers mm -hmm. like green itself has evolved so much over the past couple years as a shout color. out to green hashtag growth so let's hey look at that growth green it all mm -hmm. works together if i could get a little bigger than just our our regular creatures on the ground even bigger than of angels course. we got gods yeah, we, we do. a lot of gods in this Welcome set. back. One of my favorite things about Theros was the gods, and now we have them again. They're back again. And, well, some of them some of them are tricking us, though. Some of them actually aren't gods. <laughs> the, I love all of the gods being double-sided cards. I think that is so cool, especially when one of them is Tybalt the Cosmic Imposter. <laughs> I know, right? 
It's so, again, I feel as though we're going to do a lore episode on this at some point so we could go more into Tybalt and that fact. But I love when a card art, you don't even have to look at, like, the backstory behind it. You just see the whole story of that card by looking at it. Mm-hmm. You see who Tybalt is as a person. I understand. I understand it all. Yes, Tybalt, you cosmic imposter, you. <laughs> but you were talking about Double Face. Also, the fact that it's equipment on a lot of them mm-hmm. is the other side. Like, that's A lot of them are equipment. New. We got vehicles. We got swords. We have just regular artifacts. I just wanted to shout out the Prismatic Bridge because it's absolutely beautiful. Talking about running a five-color deck, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that um, Asika God of the Tree goes hand-in-hand with the World Tree. Oh, this is so exciting. Oh, I love this. It's it's getting so big. Gods. I know, which is something we haven't really had since Theros. Well, is that true? No, because we had them in Amonkhet, too. They were just a little bit different. Hmm. But Theros came out after Amonkhet, so since Theros is mm, correct. I mean, like, OG Theros. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. I know. Back in the day, Josh. Back in the day. I know. My brain isn't that much. I just got <laughs> mutates and adventures on I my know. mind. <laughs> and now... You and your damn mutate. So we put together... I just need everybody in the audience to know what happened to me today. Okay. We, we played with our draft decks, and then we opened a couple more packs, and we compiled a 60-card a deck. We opened it up that you could... Um, put in cards from other sets if you wanted to. I just did call time, right? And the first thing that Josh hits me with is a mutate card in our in our next match. And let me tell you, I'm upset about it still. So I will. This is gonna hurt even more. I know, but that was the only. I swear to you, that was the only mutate card that I had in the entire deck. In that moment, I had war flashbacks. <laughs> Exactly. You saw the scoot swarms. You saw them I running did. around the lands. I saw it all. I the, saw the apex of wishes. <laughs> the lands hitting the field, the exiled cards going to the field. Oh, it was awful. I understand how it could be a nightmare, and I'm sorry that I put you through that. But the thing that I reassured with is that a lot of human death touch, so you can't mutate on that. That's true, which, which thank God. You honestly. found my weakness, Magic the Gathering. Right. Well done. <laughs> but I do. So to bring it back around, right? Yes. I love, Um, I'm usually not a big artifact person. I don't know why. There's just something about them that I don't really vibe with. Hmm. But I think it's so cool from like a lore standpoint to have like, like I'm looking at Kosama, God of the Voyage, right? Yeah. That like in the card art for the god, you see, you see Kosama like on the omen keel, you know, which is the other side of the thing. Or like. Halvar is holding his sword that then is the sword of realms on the other side. Yeah. It's sort of like these gods live like with or through the whatever item that they are. I do love that. Yeah, and also, well, let's be fair, sword of realms doesn't stick with Halvar for very long. Uh, some tricky, tricky person takes it from him. Hey now, no spoilers here. I, I haven't read any of the story yet. I'm sorry, there, there was a video that came out as a teaser for Magic the Gathering Arena. It has Tybalt in it. It's that. really cool, and I, <laughs> I won't keep talking about it. I'll stop myself now. Well, thank you. I thank you for your restraint. Thank you. And since we're talking about Tybalt, there's a red side of it, and I feel bad that we've been talking about colors that aren't red yet. So there's one thing about red that I did want to talk about really quickly, mm-hmm. is that there's treasure uh, tokens back treasure artifacts oh. seem to be 
bigger. I didn't even see those on account of me not looking at a single red card. Exactly. I'm looking at the gold span dragon right now in particular because he's he's a chonky dragon. Yes, we chonky dragon. We finally got a chonky dragon. It's like so they heard us. One win to the chonk dragon on the board. Mm-hmm. Thank you. But no, I'm excited to see treasure tokens. Like, it's not just a pirate thing. Right. It's not just from Ixalan anymore. We're getting these, you know, red aggro, taking treasure and stuff, getting mana of any color. It's it's pretty good. And I think you could probably these aren't legendary creatures, but you could take Goldspan Dragon and Leylight Tyrant, find a bunch of other red dragons and start just hoarding red mana constantly. For sure. I mean, it, you will not be hard-pressed to find a, many red dragons. Let's just start there. Exactly. So start getting your treasure mana engine red dragon decks going, because that's something that you could start working with. Yeah, it's interesting. The mana hoarding concept I never really considered. I don't know why. Yeah. Again, this is me like not playing with artifacts. It's a it's a whole blind spot in my gameplay. In the comments, you're all going to be like, Aaron, what's wrong with you? I will take you through the Boros world. Ew. I will I will show you all those good equipments and artifacts you could put onto your creatures. I don't need artifacts. I have counterspell. Speaking of artifacts, I drew a common red card that uh, destroys an artifact or land. So I was pretty excited to see that. You don't really see it in red all the time. Oh, so right. Just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting some, not quite enchantment breaking, but we're getting closer. However, when you do it, it does replace the card with an artifact oh, of a treasure token. It makes a treasure token? So, okay. So it's not perfect, but it's something. Well, I still think it's like there are some things that you just have to do as a part of what the color is, right? So like there's a card in this set that's a black card that you, it lets you draw cards, but you have to sacrifice a creature. You know, it's one of those mm. like it's still um, very much in the interest of the color scheme in order to have it have some sort of drawback, right? Yeah. You got sacking outlets. You got all this stuff. We were mm -hmm. talking about mutate. I brought up adventure. We got to talk about foretelling prophecies. Yes, it has been foretold. We have two. We have two very new, very fancy mechanics now. Foretell and boast. And I won't lie. I didn't know anything about boast going into it, so I was scared when I saw it. Mm -hmm. These, I, This guy was boasting creatures at me, and I'm like, I can't do anything. All my creatures are getting tapped. His power his power level is rising. <laughs> You're right, though. You're so right. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a weird, it's a very aggressive strategy, but it pays off really well. The Gold Ma Champion, their boast ability is that they then get to tap something, right? So, like... When they go to attack, they can tap your blocker, and then all of a sudden you don't have a blocker. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough. And also, it's a very, you're right, it's aggressive, right? Because you have to attack. Mm -hmm. So there's no, like, just, you know, you're sitting in the back, and you're like, I'm going to tap these creatures. you got to go all in. Definitely not. It is, in fact, I would say quite the opposite of the foretell mechanic. Oh, definitely. Foretell is waiting. You know, you got to save something oh, for later. I love foretell. It plays so well into how I like to play the game, which is just like little investments, you know, I'm just like placing things. I love that, like, if you're like me and you don't put enough land in your deck, you can, you know, you can pay half now and half later to still get to draw your cards, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think at first I didn't totally grasp it because I was thinking of it more from a perspective of like, oh, great, if I got it in my hand at first, I can put it into exile so I don't lose it from my hand. Oh, which is also true. But it's like, you got two mana left. Why not just spend it to foretell a card? Mm -hmm. Right. If you have extra mana lying around, you might as well. Because I hate 
everybody in Magic doesn't like just having open mana that never gets spent. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It's the worst feeling. And if you, you know, if you want to, like, I'll do it with um, Depart from the Realm or, like, you know, Saw That Coming, which I think is a hysterical name, (laughs) or Saw It Coming, right, for a counterspell, then it just means that whenever you need it, you don't have to worry about keeping your three blue mana open or your one whatever and your two blue, right? You can just have a one and a blue instead if you, like, you know, just thought ahead. Definitely. So, Aaron, if I can ask you a question, Mm -hmm. what card got you the most excited? And it could be something that you drew or something that you didn't draw, but what card got you, like, pumped with, oh, this is great, or maybe it even spurred a deck? I'm just going to come clean with you guys. Um, In the Out of the Abyss campaign, right, that uh, Josh and I play, I play a druid um, whose name is Kiva that comes basically like he's very norse slash you know like just the north in general inspired he's a very you know boreal kind of dude and so this whole set is amazing and i've been looking to make a deck that's inspired by this character for a long time and now i finally feel like i have all the cards so i'm looking at like boreal outrider i'm like oh it's an elf warrior that rides an elk right it's a snow creature like this is kiva that's amazing you know, or like, Behold the Multiverse. I just, for some reason, I'm obsessed with this card. I think it looks really cool. The foretell mechanic makes this so much easier for me to play with, as opposed to, you know, me usually just having to do four. I just, I know you asked me for one card, and I just can't. It's but hard. If, I get it. If I had to bring it down to one, and this is similar enough, right? It's got to be the Avalanche Caller. <laughs> had a feeling. Because yeah. as, as Josh would know, um, I also stomped him with this card earlier today. That is true. I am a huge, huge fan of Nyssa, um, and I love making land into creatures. I It's so fun. I think it's such an interesting, just aesthetic, I guess. So mm. to get to have that be a thing in here, too, just like really tipped me over the edge and got me so excited about about call time and about snow lands. It really spurred on my whole snow deck. That sounds fun. I, <laughs> I, I look forward to seeing that deck indeed. I had this crazy idea. I can't remember what the card is from Commander Legends, and I think the color combo wouldn't work, but there's one where you tap the card so you never hit your end step. Oh. So if you could get the avalanche caller, bring out the lands and not have to return them. And just, they stay creatures forever. That's the other yeah. thing. In later Nissa cards, we lose the ability, like we have a Nissa who shakes the world, just to make it a creature, you know? Because hmm. I'm pretty True. sure that's her thing, right? They just like some things, just, like just are creatures, and that's awesome. Yeah. But I understand that not everything can stay. Some things are meant to go. But what about you, Josh? I was about to say you might know my answer. It's weird because at first, you know, I was like Tibble, Tibble. I want to make a Tibble deck, but mm-hmm. out of the stuff that I got, it really is Finn the Fangbearer. Interesting. Also, bringing back the poison mechanic, which is like from a long, long time ago. It predates Definitely. my own engagement with magic. I was about to say, people are haunted by infect mm-hmm. and poison. They don't want to remember it. Yeah, let's it's talk about scary. Phyrexia. Let's do it. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I played a friend in Commander a lot who has a Blightsteel Colossus, mm-hmm. which is a 10 infect card. So, yes. yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible. The one and done. Yeah, the, my one friend who taught me how to play Magic used to, he had a vicious Infect deck. And so can you just imagine me, you know, in middle school, yeah. which is tragic to begin with, um, <laughs> trying to learn how to play Magic against someone playing one of the most destructive Infect decks. 
in the world. It's scary. And I feel I feel bad when I say this because I know everyone who listens and has been listening is like Boros. Josh is a Boros kind of person. Mm-hmm. But my favorite decks to really build are the decks where I'll do anything to win. So it's very black. Like, my Orzhov deck, I basically just get Vito on the field, gain a bunch of life so the player loses it immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the unconventional, risky ways to win the game. So I love the idea of just being sneaky, getting a bunch of green-black death-touch creatures, and charging them at my opponents. You're so funny, too, because it's like, you're so nefarious and so vicious when it comes to building decks like that, but then like your other one will be like, here's a Boros deck where they're all knights and they're all good people. You know, they're it's all like knights. there's a sword for my knight and he'll swing at you now. Right, exactly. Rather than it's like death touch rogue. You're like literally <laughs> Lose everything. All your creatures. Yeah, everything has death touch. Everything will kill you. I know. I, I could be nefarious sometimes. But, hey, it's good to have my opposites. I got my white-red life, and I got my black-green life mm-hmm. now. Those truly opposites, yeah. Which people could call me out now because I did talk shit about the Golgari uh, in our last podcast. Yeah, so, so take that back. Why don't I'll you? I'll take it back immediately, yes. Thank I, you. I feel bad that I, I called <laughs> it out so harshly. And speaking of Golgari, I oh. feel bad. It might be a little cold for him, uh, our friend Ral Zarek. It's Being true. Being call time. Yes. But he he could probably engineer something, right? Something to keep him warm up here. I mean, I would say so, for sure. And he'll definitely have to, because it's time for Ral Zarek's class lightning round. <laughs> so this is brand new cards, by the way, we're talking about here. Uh, the pictures will be available for Aaron for reference. But for those of you who don't know, this game is basically, I will say, five names of cards. And then Aaron will have to figure out the Dungeons & Dragons equivalent of the class and other things that they would put this card into. Mm-hmm. Aaron, yeah. are you ready for a little bit of a chilly lightning round? I was born ready, Josh. All right, good, good, good to hear. You're going to hate me because I start with this one. <laughs> That's fine. Finn the Fangbearer. Yep. Alright, so let me just pull up this card so I can get a good look at him. Maybe this is just because it's so Norse-inspired and there's, like, giants and stuff, but I kind of want to make him a rune knight, you know? Okay. It doesn't really give in to the whole death touch situation, but I think if you take the poisoner feet, you might be able to make it work. I like that. Yeah, the only thing that I had brewing in my mind is some kind of blood hunter or possibly a paladin. A blood hunter is another really good option. Yeah. What smite works on the blade. Uh, one for you now, Avalanche Caller. Yes, the Avalanche Caller. All right, so I go back and forth about this one. I'm confused that they call it a wizard. I know that's probably just for party mechanic purposes, but it really seems like a druid to me. Um, yeah. And so in such a way, I shall make it a druid. And this is, I'm going to make it your classic circle of land with the Arctic speciality druid. Because they get, you know, conjure elemental, as, or they get to turn into an elemental. So I like the idea True. of the avalanche caller then becoming the avalanche. You gotta get that ice in there wherever you mm-hmm. can. Gotta get right. that cold. I also, I'm just gonna put this out there for everybody. Not a lot of ice magic specific subclasses. I don't see it very often. We have a lot for fire, right? Most like dragon things are like, you breathe fire. And every yes. once in a while, they'll be like, um, whatever dragon color you are, right, you can sort of have that aspect. Like, if you're a draconic sorcerer and you pick the white dragon, then it affects your ice spells. But it's just not the same, folks. Just not the same. 
I agree. It's also the idea that, right, like storm mm-hmm. usually relates to lightning, but they're like, oh, no, ice is in there sometimes. Like, I guess it but could there's... be. Yeah, but like the storm sorcerer, it's about lightning and thunder damage, right? Even though you get access to things like sleet storm, you know, like you could do that, but but the ice, the ice, man. And that's why we're putting call time in D&D. That's why mm-hmm. we're doing That's why we're doing it. That's the next one. That's the next plane shift. Take me to call time. Well, how about I take you to the Gold Maw Champion instead? Why did you do this to me? <laughs> you insult me. All right, so the Gold Maw Champion, my dear friend, is a nightmare that I will never escape from. <laughs> Final answer. Actually, so I just read the flavor text and it inspired me. So it's the, that was nothing. I once took down a frost giant with a spoon. Um, Cause at first I wanted to make him a battle master because of the, his boast ability to tap target creature. But when I got to thinking about his actual boastful nature, it made me think of the oath of glory paladin. Tasha has some flavor text about it where it just talks about them being so incredibly insufferable that they're just like always, you know, like the image is like, I think it's a tiefling with like a, some sort of pelt across its shoulders. Like, yeah. Oh yes. Yes. The classic like Theros type hero is what I see out of this. Okay, this is a better one. All right, Sculptor of Winter. Oh, my dear love. I think this card this card will be well-received in almost any deck. I also just realized that it's a rogue. It's an elf rogue, because I was fully ready for it Wait, to be really? a Wait, really? Hang on. I didn't even read that. Oh, my yeah. God. Again, reading the flavor text, right? I and my kin remember the old ways. The frost whispers to me in a language too ancient for the Scoti usurpers to comprehend. Makes me think about, if I'm making her a rogue, right? which I'm inclined to do. It makes me think about the phantom archetype uh, from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything because they talk about Mm. collecting all these soul trinkets. If we're looking at the flavor text and it's about, um, you know, remembering the old ways and that the frost itself sort of speaks to you because they say that you can can destroy your soul trinkets and, like, talk to them and ask them, like, a question, right? I think it's sort of cool, especially the way that that leaf is sort of floating. It's very trinket-ish. But I wouldn't mind a very ill-advised subclass that goes between rogue and druid still. I like that. Yeah. To do some sort of... Because you need some magic. Like, yeah. clearly you need some magic. And more than the arcane trickster would give you. She's making something. She's She's doing it. Yeah. Some sort of something. Or this might be a perfect time because rogues always strike me as someone that can be incredibly charismatic. Right? So this might be a cool rogue sorcerer combo. If you I do, see that. Yeah. yeah, I'm not quite sure what subclass you would be for sorcerer, but I like the idea that then you can be a rogue that gets, you know, that has really high charisma, really good decks, and doesn't really need anything else, you know? I got one more for you. Inga Rune Eyes. Oh, Inga Rune Eyes. I like this card. I also drew this card, so she's a classical wizard. However, comma, there's some, some sort of combination here that she's definitely got some divination wizard in her right definitely but i also like the idea that maybe she is like a knowledge cleric also because um her flavor text talks about the omen seeker right which is the boat that the god of voyages turned into right in card form so i want to add some of those religious connotations and as a blue card naturally it's got to be about knowledge so i think the knowledge cleric is a good is a good combo there Aaron, I, I give you a passing grade. I oh, think thank a lot you. Of, a lot of fun fun suggestions right there. 
And uh, we're really excited about Call Time, so hopefully, if if you guys like it, we'll we'll tune in in a little bit with a Call Time lore cast because Aaron mm-hmm. Aaron is a lore master. As yes, we know. once I get around to reading it, I will remember it all. <laughs> so it's gonna happen. So get excited. If there's stuff that you want to hear about from Call Time, maybe we'll do some more looking into because, as you know, and probably guess from the podcast, we're gonna talk a lot about Tybalt most likely. Just you know, because he's <laughs> Josh great. is just we gonna fanboy over Tybalt, but it'll be fine. It's a redemption arc. His War of the Sparks card is not good, so I'm really happy. Amazing. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday, but in the meantime, be sure to follow our Twitter at D&D Gatherers and tweet about the show using hashtag Dungeons and Gatherers. And also, if the cold never bothered you anyway, be sure to like and subscribe to the Dungeons and Gatherers podcast.